We Got the Geek is recorded before a live studio audience. My name is Jason. I'm from the We Got the Geek podcast. Mr. Bob Layton. Hi. Hi. I'm already all I'll, I'll look back at you. Hi, how you doing? Hi. Hello, family. Hi, little one. How you doing? Hi there. So anyway, you sure you don't want to come up closer so we can just all talk? You know? Just say what keep it informal, you know? Thank you, Whisper. Come sit with Uncle Bob, man. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and just because you're here, I'm going to watch my potty now. Okay? She's heard worse. So I know. If you're here, you will stop me from saying really horrible things. Okay? Okay, you make, you'll make me behave. You know, and I appreciate that. So, hey, why are we here? Well, uh, I myself have been a fan of yours for a while, and I wanted to start things off by asking probably an obvious question, but what's it like seeing some of your creations come to life on the big screen? It's weird. <laughs> well, here's it, 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 it's a two-inch sword. Because even though, like, I popularized Iron Man, you know, which was not a very popular book until I turned it into what you know now, I don't actually share in the spoils of that. So... It's kind of bittersweet, because, you know, when you hear they made $3 billion at the box office off the stuff you created, you're kind of like, you know. But at the same time, it's opened up huge doors for me, you know. And it's like, I mean, most artists work their entire lives without having their name associated with the character. You know, and I've been fortunate to have my name associated with more than one character, you know, as that guy. You know, like with Ant-Man and like with, you know, Iron Man and with the Valiant Universe. So, you know, I got to tell you one story. When I went to the uh, screening of the first Iron Man, it was the first time I ever saw it, anything that I'd done up on the screen. There was one shot where, because, you know, I designed that Malibu house from the comics, right? And there's a shot, like a bird's eye shot, where Iron Man's going in for a landing and you can see him start to decelerate. And I, I have drawn that a hundred times. <laughs> that shot. And the little hair on the back of my neck stood up, you know? It was one of those weird moments where I was just like, that's so cool. I mean, it's just a feeling, I don't know how to describe it, you know, uh, to see something come to life like that. Uh, I've gotten old and jaded since then, but uh, I, I just remember that feeling of seeing something you created, you know, done on the screen, you know, in three dimensions. It's like, and it moves and it talks, and it's like, it's, it's a cool thing, you know? They've done a lot of homages to my stuff. I mean, they, they threw Tony out of the Avengers Tower and had him change his armor while he was falling. And, you, know, you know, that was from one of my books. Uh, the recent movie, Hulk, him holding up the mountain, was from Secret Wars. Yeah. Uh, I get lots of homages, no money. <laughs> but, uh, and, you know, I, you know, I get my credits. Usually you'll see my credit in the movies. It's right between the guys who drive the trucks and the caterers. You know? Uh, but, uh, Bloodshot will be a little different because I, I just, you know, we finished shooting Bloodshot in October uh, in South Africa. That's one of the basic Valiant character I created, right? And uh, I will actually get a credit in the beginning of the movie for a change, you know? Uh, Marvel, Marvel's not great about that. And Birds of Prey, I created the Huntress, so, you know, I don't know how they're going to do that exactly, you know? But here's, what, here's the thing people don't understand. It's not that I need the credit or the accolades or anything like that. It's that uh, uh, 
I have my own film production company, and every time my name shows up on the screen, I can make money. Because I can convince somebody to give me money to make one of my projects. You know, because look, they, they made this. You know, they made Bloodshot. They made Birds of Prey, you know. Are these, are these are tied together. This way. There you go. Okay. So much easier. I, I, I'm totally screwing up your visuals. No, this isn't mine. I don't, the guy doesn't even want to be this here. This is better, you know. But thank you for not making me sit up there. Okay. It just feels stupid. So yeah, it's it's a really it's a unique feeling. I, you know, it's like. Uh, uh, I wasn't prepared for it, especially like with Ant Man, because Ant Man was like two issues that I did forty years ago. Yeah. You know, it was like a tryout book. And now, you know, I go to Dubai and they're like they have tons of copies of Ant Man. How do they even get their hands on it? You know, I mean, it wasn't even printed in Dubai, you know? And I mean it's like the thing that Aunt Scott Lang is an international phenomenon. You could knock me over with a feather. There was no way in the world you could ever predict that. You know, so it's my life is weird. <laughs> cool, weird, but weird, you know. Oh, very cool. Yeah. Did you ever get to talk to uh, Robert Downey Jr. or Paul Rudd about their performances? Oh yeah, no, no. In fact, uh, uh, well, I worked on the first two Iron Man movies. I was okay. out there. Oh okay. Yeah, I was on the set of Iron Man one and two, and uh, I spent a lot of time with, with Downey. Actually, he was—he's amazing. He really is. Uh, of course, the whole time I'm sitting there, I'm looking at this guy. He's not a big guy, right? I'm thinking. This guy did two stretches at the federal penitentiary. How do you get out of there one piece, you know? Because, yeah, I mean, he had a really sordid, ugly past, right? And he was about five years sober when we started Iron Man, you know? And uh, it was like, uh, I would sit with him uh, when he was having his makeup done, you know? And uh, we'd talk. He, he had read everything I'd done backwards and forwards. He, uh-huh. you know. In fact, the first day I showed up, I am scared out of my mind. I mean, I'm just ready to pee myself. I'm like, and and I, I they escort me on the set, and there's Favreau and Downey, and they got trade paperbacks of my stuff there for me to autograph for them. You know, they went fanboy on me. You know, and I would that just totally threw me off. I just did not expect that, but. Uh, uh, RJ was so concerned that I approved of his performance. And I, I told him, I said, uh, I said, to be honest with you, when I first heard you were cast, I thought you were too old. Because, well, you know, my Tony Stark was about 35. He was supposed to be a prodigy, you know, you know, a child genius. And so he was it just in getting into his prime, you know, when I created the whole rock star Tony Stark persona, right? And I said, I really thought you were too old. I said, the, the first time I saw him as Tony Stark in like one of the dailies, I mean, he just killed it. I mean, come on, let's face it. If anybody was born to play that role, yeah. it's him, right? And But he was actually concerned that I approved of his, because uh, I would have lied anyway. I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what are you going to do, right? So, you know, crazy enough, people don't realize this. Uh, he wasn't Marvel's first choice for the for the role because they couldn't get him insured because of his past history. You know, and when you're on the set, you have to like ask Harrison Ford. You have to insure the guy they break if they break a hip or something. You know that well, no one would touch it. No one, no, no Hollywood insurance company would touch Downey because of his track record, right? So Favreau put up the money oh, wow. out of his own pocket because he was uh, that convinced that R.J. was meant to play this role. People don't know that about Favreau, which made me 
I got a lot of respect for the guy. Favreau was funny too. He's just funny. Yeah. Wasn't Tom Cruise one of the first choices for him? I know. I, and I, I would have boycotted the film. Yeah, he was. He was. And I, like I said, I would have boycotted the, the film. You know, I mean, I mean, come on. You know. So yeah. Thank goodness everything worked out the way it did. You know, it was great. But he was, it was an honor to work with him and with you know, Kevin Feige and uh, the entire cast and crew. They were, they were great to me. You know? Well, I don't know if you ever saw the video. When I was, we were in San Diego for Iron Man 2, they actually physically pulled me up on stage at Hall H at San Diego, you know, which was, it was embarrassing because there's no steps. They had to literally like grab me by the arms and lift me up bodily, <laughs> and I think my pants were hanging down a little bit. <laughs> they get me up onto the stage, you know. And uh, but they they wanted me to take a bow, you know. Uh, the whole cast, I, I was like, yeah, that was one of those moments, you know. You have those moments in your life because you, you do a lot of this without any recognition, and that was kind of a really cool moment until they made me get off the stage. <laughs> and then they all left to the back door on the stage. And I'm sitting down in the front row, and 7,000 people bum-rush me. <laughs> and I'm about to be trampled. I'm literally like, because like, for the first time, I got identified, right? Because people heard my name, but they don't know my face or anything like that, right? It's, they just told 7,000 people, Dad, this is the guy, right? And they all just started coming at me like this, and I'm like, I'm screaming like a little girl, you know? And four big bully boys pick me up bodily like this and carry me over their heads out of the out of the place. So I wouldn't be trampled to death. It is an experience, let me tell you. Imagine. Now speaking of your Iron Man run, uh, probably one of the, the most well-known stories was Demon in a Bottle. Mm-hmm. Uh, just curious, uh, when you guys first took it to Marvel, what they thought of that? Yeah, you know, uh, people always think that's controversial, that we the first comic ever actually talk seriously about alcohol and a character who has a chemical addiction or something like that. Uh, I always say comics are a mirror. We don't, we're not really that creative. What we really do is reflect what's ever going on in the real world. And at that particular time, uh, the Betty Ford Clinic had just opened up and people were talking about addiction openly for the first time. And the, my thrust of creating this new world for Tony Stark was to create this, this industrial empire. And in the world of uh, industrial espionage and intrigue and you know, corporate machinations and all that sort of thing. And it, see, the heart problem that he had through the, the years, I used to hate it when I was a kid. When I, one of the reasons I wanted to do Iron Man is because I hated it so much when I was a kid. <laughs> it was really just an awful book. Because he would be fighting um, Ultimo. And he like on page twenty, the last page, he's just about to win. And he goes, ah! And he's getting keel over and die. Right? You know, he, he run out of juice and have a heart attack. And I really don't know anyone who's had fifty heart attacks and lived other than Big Change. You know? <laughs> and, and so it's it's kind of like, but even by the seventies, when I took look over and started renovating it, uh, heart transplants were commonplace. You know, and it seemed this, this guy's a genius. He could build this suit and do all this stuff. He couldn't fix, you know, a couple pieces of metal in his heart. You know? <laughs> and it seemed to me that I needed to, because I was kind of following the Arthurian legends. And I always saw him as a modern King Arthur, the sort of tortured king, and Stark Industries as his kingdom, the Avengers as the Knights of the Round Table. And, that, that, you know, but 
That's why, one, I had to give him a friend, because I realized through the entire series he never had a friend. He's inside creator Rhodey, you know? And uh, part of that, created that world was to take the heart attack thing away and create something that would always be there, the sort of Damocles, this, this thing that he struggles with, the internal demons, because all great stories come from internal conflict, not external. And as, as all you know, who are fans of the movies or the, or the comics, uh, Tony is a highly conflicted character, you know, but that's what makes him interesting. We know that he's good, but, you know, he really walk, he walks in gray line a lot of times, but he's also not somebody who's interested in fighting crime, you know? Let's face it, if you get bitten by a radioactive water buffalo, are you going to turn into Buffalo Girl and go fight crime? Is that, your, is that, what, is that what turns you on? Is, is that the first thing you do with your buffalo powers? No, exactly. None of us would. And that's, that's kind of what was my feeling about it. You know, it's like, this is his world. And he protects it. And they follow that in the movies, too. I mean, Cap is always arguing with him. You already, you already protect what's yours. Well, yeah, don't we all? You know? Because I didn't want to be Iron Man when I was a kid. I wanted to be Tony Stark. I thought that was a more reasonable role model, you know, to achieve, you know, is because, uh, you know, they have all the girls and all the toys and all the money. It seemed like that, that's a more achievable goal than putting a tin suit on and flying around. You're, I'm losing you, aren't I? <laughs> <laughs> and you're the one I want to impress the most. It's the next generation that I need. <laughs> so yeah, uh, that's that's uh, all they told us was when we, we approached the editor about it was do it right. That's all they said. Okay, you know, I guess we did because forty something years later we're still talking about yeah. it. Right? Uh, I've become the unofficial spokesperson for sobriety in the comic industry. You know, they actually have AA meetings where they, you know comic fan AA meetings where they ask me to come speak. I still get letters from people all the time. Saying, you know, my husband's in the Navy and he's like, he's drinking a whole lot. Is there some, you know, something, you know, something you could say to him or whatever like that, you know? And I write really heartfelt letters, you know, uh, because, you know, it's like, that just comes with what, what happened. You know? I mean, I had a lot of, I had issues in my family with alcoholism. So it, it was, that's one of the reasons why that story continues to resonate 40 years later, because I think it was a very heartfelt. Story, yeah, definitely. You know, yeah, and I remember the we got this is before email. I mean, there there were literally bags of mail coming in from people after we did that story. You know, I mean, huge tons of mail, like uh, unprecedented. Just the people writing in saying, I mean, stuff that would just make you cry. You know, like I thought my dad was a bad guy. Now I realize he has a disease. And all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's touching. You know, so. And I always feel like it's just another comic book story, you know, but you never know what you do, how it affects other people. You know, just do, you know, do what you like to do. You never know. Cool. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about the creation of Skyline? Because uh, I, I guess at the time, Pim was Yellow Jacket. And yeah, and he was, a, they really had mucked with, with, Hank Pym to the point where he was actually more of a villain. I think I think when Shooter had him actually hit his wife or something. Yeah. I'm like, okay, he's gone full misogynist now, you know. But you know, every every good Marvel superhero has a hook. 
I, I just told you what Iron Man Hook is, right? He's King Arthur, his empire, you know, and that he doesn't fight crime. He basically is he's there to protect his own interests. And altruistically, everyone benefits from what he creates, but, you know, that's, that's his book, right? What's Spider-Man's book? Well, of all the Marvel characters, he's the only one that's a kid. You know, I mean, he's, he's a kid. And they finally got it right, you know, where they really, because I mean, Tobey Maguire was like 47 years old when he did the Batman <laughs> movies, you know. I'm playing a kid, but, you know, I mean, you know. Uh, but the idea that he really was a kid, that was the, that was the hook. For, for Scott Lang, we thought, well, we're going to recreate Ant-Man. The one thing that they didn't have in the Marvel Universe was a single-parent superhero, you know? Yeah. So was like that was his hook, the fact that, and, and I love that the movies really play up on that, you know, because to me that really is the hook of Scott Lang. He loves his daughter, you know, but he's a he's a man with a shape, uh, trying to walk the straight and narrow, and at the same time he's got all these responsibilities, and you know we we never had a Marvel superhero who was a single father, you know, and uh, I think that was the, the what made Scott likable, you know. The fact, and I always love redemption stories. And, you know, like Doctor Strange is a great redemption story when I was a kid. You know, because he starts out as a bad guy. You know, you really hate him. He's a rule. You know, he's like all our doctors. And, and it's like, and then suddenly, yeah, he, you know, what starts out is a selfish, you know, need to, to, to basically uh, fix what's wrong in his life. He sees a bigger world and. You know, and you go under those chains, and we, we love that, right? We we all love those sort of redemption stories. I always think it's really great when a villain has a change of heart. You know, yeah. those are things that touch us. You know, except yeah. Darth Vader. Yeah. Deathbed confessions don't work. <laughs> I'm sorry, you do all that bad shit, and like one thirty seconds later, you're okay, and you get to be the force. Force genie or whatever. Like, no, no, it doesn't work that way. What about the millions of people you kill with the Death Star? Just go die, okay? You know, one good deed does not erase that. All right. Sorry, I, I know you're a big Vader fan, <laughs> <laughs> but don't get me started on Star Wars. Okay? Body, so. 